Hello. Nick Parada, this is Eric Charlson. How you doing, man? Good, Eric. What's happening, buddy? <laughs> Welcome to Season 3 of the fucking Rad Snowboard Podcast. Okay, perfect. One second, please. Hi, this is Sean. I'm not here right now. You have reached Mike. Hi, this is Jim. Leave me a message, and I will call you back as soon as I can. Hi, you've reached Jeremy Jones. Yeah, I'm going to call you back in text. <laughs> Sorry, dude. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome back. If you haven't heard of Nick Parada, go back and watch TV One, which was just called Totally Bored. Nick Parada made snowboarding look fucking amazing. A lot of snowboarders I talked to mentioned the early pros like Nick, Farmer, Damien, Rankwit, Palmer, and Roach. Guys who don't have a modern day equivalent because snowboarding isn't subversive today. I actually had to look up subversive to make sure I was using it right. It means seeking or intended to subvert an established system or institution. Exactly. To be a snowboarder in the early days was to be subversive. Nick Parada with his dreads and mellow demeanor stomped big cliffs with ultra-smooth style. Watching Nick snowboard in the 90s gave us a glimpse into the future of snowboarding where butt checks and bales didn't make it into the movies anymore. I called Nick at his home in Alaska. You would never remember this in a million years, but I met you at Mount Hood in 1990. Yeah, back in the day. I remember because I blew my knee out that year. Yeah, I think I got you to sign my coat. I remember being a little kid and being super starstruck. Yeah, so many heads up there back in the early 90s, huh? Oh, yeah, back in the golden days, brother. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That was where you racked your head on the fucking rocks up there, huh? Yep, out in Kirkwood. Oh, that wasn't that wasn't at Mount Hood. That no, was... that that was the next year. Okay, when I moved out there to Squaw, that was and, uh, the yeah. worst thing that ever happened in snowboarding up to that point. Was that in critical condition? Yep, that's when they ended up using the footage. I, it was filming for Totally Bored. Then they put it in critical condition. Yeah. Oh my God, this is bringing back a lot of memories. That you were the guy who coined the term jib then. Yep, did I you, did, man. You made that up off the top of your head. Well, I was into skating at that time before I we did totally bored and stuff. And when, when we would jib on our skateboards, we would just freaking ride on whatever rocks, logs, small children kind of thing. Right? It didn't matter. We were jibbing on shit. Yeah. And so that's where that kind of came from. That's pretty crazy. I know. Now just think about that word. Now I should have freaking copyrighted it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, we still talk about it now. It's like twenty years later. Yeah, everybody, everybody's jibbing and shit. So it's awesome, though. I'm, I'm stoked. You know, I'm really happy with how my career turned out and all that. Obviously, I didn't make a fucking ton of money and bank a bunch of dough. But man, I went all over the world and got a couple mountains named after me and met so many cool fucking people and was there from the beginning. You know, yeah. jumped some big shit, landed some big airs, and yeah, man, moved on. You know, as as you do. Where were you when you first snowboarded, and what, what boards were available to you at that time? So that was 1984, and there was there was just a back hill was out, mm-hmm. right? And I'd seen it, and it had the fins on it, and the skags and all that. And um, we saw it, and me and my friends that ended up making a mold out of plywood or two by fours, glued a bunch of two by fours together, cut out the mold, got seven sheets of maple, and glued them all together, and that was what we used. And we just got seatbelt straps and cut those off, and that, those were our bindings. And went up to Cracker Ridge in Mount Waterman, right outside of Pasadena, La Cunada, where I grew up, out Southern Cal. Rad. Put it on, fucking rode it, and said it was so fucking easy. This is stupid. Were you skating at that time? Yeah, I was pretty heavily into vert skating at that time. 
Yeah, it was almost like cheating when you get on a snowboard and you've got these straps and you can totally. That's what I thought. It's like this is ridiculous. This thing's totally strapped to your feet. I mean, how you can't you can't fall, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, obviously, but that's what I thought. So yeah, it was super easy. And you know, graduated high school in 1985, moved up to Northern California, then to Boise, and going to college. Dropped out of college. Told the old man I was over it. He said, "Well, I'm taking all your shit away." <laughs> moved to Breckenridge, became a snowboard mom, and that's where it all started. Ned Hessel and all those guys out there. Yeah. Farm and. Were you on K2 from those early years, or was there a pre-K2 Nick Parada? No, I was getting some boards from Chuck Barfoot back in those days, just because he was hanging around the parking lots, and, you know, so I was riding kind of Barfoot back in those early days, and then once I made Totally Bored, then, you know, I got on K2 after that. Yeah, what board were you on in Totally Bored? I thought it was a Kemper or something. Yeah, and Kemper, yep, I had a brief stint with Kemper at that time. Yeah, was that through, like, guys up in... Toronto? No, it was somebody down here, and it was just probably more the rep than anybody. I think it was just the Kemper rep who was just hooking us up. Yeah, that Totally Bored movie was basically a profile of you and Sean. Yeah, and you know, and the whole good thing, it's all pow, if you look at it. Every yeah. shot is fucking deep powder, <laughs> except for the half-pipe shit, but that's yeah, so it was fun, man. It was good old days, bro. It was good old days. I'm super lucky. I'm still super lucky. You know, I'm up in Alaska fish guiding right now. Sick. And uh, then in the wintertime, I'm freaking, I work at a golf course. I'm in my first year of my PGA program, and I'm going to get that uh, PGA card here in about three years. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. You Were you a heli guide in Alaska for a long time as well? Yeah, for about four and a half, five years. Oh, that's the dream. Why are, would you go away from that? Or... There's too much on you, dude, watching people fucking die and watching people crater off shit. And you're responsible for these people. You got this heavy-ass pack on your back. You don't get to fucking flip and jump and do all the fun stuff you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not as glorious as you think, being responsible for four people you don't even know. It's it's heavy burden on your on your shoulders. And my last day, I pulled a kid out of a crevasse, and I was over it after that. I said, I'm done. So I just worked in the office and paid it away after that just because i was over it that's heavy you know i don't want to see people get hurt right do you have a family and everything now yeah yeah i got two kids a 14 year old boy and a 12 year old girl been divorced for about seven years they're up here right now we're getting ready we're gonna go camp out on the river overnight Dope. we're gonna fly out to about 40 minute flight and camp out in the middle of nowhere overnight that's so rad so are you starting to see in them that kind of energy that was in you when you were a teenager? Yeah, my son, my son's a skater, you know, and I see all that in, in both of them. My daughter's a sports, you know, soccer stud, and cello and all that, straight-A student. Like, my son, he's a freaking snowboarder, skater. Rad. Do you keep in touch with guys like Farmer? Um, yeah, I talk to Farmer once in a while. I'll drop him a line. You know, I've kind of been out of touch with the whole snowboarding industry, as, you know, just because I'm concentrating on golf mainly when I'm not, I'm only fishing for three months a year. And when I'm not doing that, I'm concentrating on my golf and stuff. So, fuck, I'm going to be 50 years old next month, you know? So, it's just, you just move on. That's amazing, dude. You have that competitive spirit. You weren't like a huge competition snowboarder guy, though, right? Like, you you were backcountry, big cliffs, big. Yeah. Your most iconic parts are in those TV movies for me. You know, that's what it was all about, was just going out and free riding, just going as fast as you can, jacket flapping speed, you know? That was, was fun to me. That's, you know, people got to ride pal because that's, you can go as fast as you want. And... You would consistently put down parts without a lot of bales. You know, that was in the era, yeah. era where they would cut out a bale and still put it in the movie, you know what I mean? Big air and then no landing. Yeah. 
Well, that was my deal. That was yeah. kind of what I always said to farm. I said, fuck, you know, if I can't land this shit, I ain't going to fucking jump it. I mean, the whole key is not to fall. And that was, that comes from my whole skateboarding background. The whole key is not to fall on your fucking skateboard. That's what I always thought about snowboarding. I mean, you've got to land. Anybody can just fucking huck till they hit. But plus I rode a 180, dude. I rode a huge board that was a foot over my head. <laughs> and uh, I could land anything with on that big old board. What an awesome time in snowboarding. Yeah, it's it's coming back. I just had uh, John Jackson up here. Rad. He came and fished with me, and I took him, flew him out to this river in the middle of nowhere here, and fucking, he had the best fishing experience of his life, you know. And I'd never ridden with him. I, I've only seen him on TV and shit. But yeah, what a hell of a cool guy he is, you know. And just to hang out with that guy who is at the top of the game these days, to know him on a level out of snowboarding, it's cool. You know what I'm saying? Totally. That's really dope. So. Where did you go after K2? Um, you know, after K2, I kind of rode winter stick for a couple of years. But yep. then as soon as I stopped getting paid, I was over it, dude. You know, and, and my ability level was done. You know, remember the Noah Slaznicks and all those guys that were just right on in my heyday. They brought that total skate culture to snowboarding and to a whole nother level, you know, and I was done. I was over it, not personally, but my ability level. And, you know, as those companies go, they got to get the young bucks that are fucking harder than the veterans. How did you wind up in Alaska? Well, you know, snowboarding brought me to Alaska. Me and Farm yeah. climbed the Moose's Tooth. Climbing magazine called Dave and Mike Hatchett back in like 1988 because they were big rock climbers and mountaineers. And they had previous obligations and couldn't do it. So me and Farm ended up doing it and that's what brought us up here. And once we came up here and saw this shit, we're like, holy fuck, this is it. This is the pinnacle of it all. There's, you know, there's, you can't go any other place right. and get this kind of shit. So that's what brought me up here was snowboarding. And then once I went to Valdez, hooked up with Doug Brewer, who was doing all the helicopter and plane flying. That's who I ended up guiding for. And then I came out and fished with him one year and dock-handed for him for a couple of years. And this is my 24th year fishing for him. That's amazing. Yeah. So where are you? You know, I make good money. I'm making about 40 grand in three months, 44 grand in three months. So I can't pass that kind of cash up. That's a year's yeah. wage in a, in a season. Yeah, plus I got it dialed. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Shit's easy now. <laughs> yeah the whole reason i'm here is that i want to be in the middle of nowhere yeah you know even with all my snowboard or with the fishing pole in my hand it's, that's where i want to be so this is definitely the vehicle that i can do that now i have to you know, take care of these six eight people whoever how many people i'm guiding and knowing that if something was to happen you know we can survive for a week with just like the shit i got in my backpack you know that's amazing so. how did you get to this golf thing where did the golf thing come from i've always been a golfer bro i've always been a golfer ever since i was in grade school just picked it up nobody in my family golfed but i always did and ended up working the golf course in the off season so when i wasn't snowboarding i was working in palm springs man i'm good at it i'm really really fucking good at it so i just had to run with it now that my kids are older i'm going through the pga program and by the time i'm done with it they'll be upper level high school or out of high school and can go do whatever i want go teach golf somewhere you've uh, you've always just lived this Life of authentic, like, radness. I tell my kids, you make a dollar an hour or a hundred dollars an hour, it don't matter. You got to do what you love. Mm -hmm. You'd be broke, but if you're doing what you love, and you're not going to feel like you're broke, you know? Well, I feel like we've gone through the whole thing. You got any great stories from back in the day, you know, like flying up to Alaska the first time and just seeing the sheer size of it and being, like, scared for... Yeah, that was it, you know, and just the people that we met up here, you know, Alaska had the, the coolest people ever. We spent 28 days on the Moose's Tooth, and on, like, you know, the 26th day when we could finally get to the top, one of the guys that we were staying with in Talkeet that was flying around, 
congratulations. I knew you guys would be up here today. And because we had aircraft radio, it's the only communication we have with anybody. And uh, he said he left a package for us at our base camp, which was at the bottom of the hill, you know, like 10,000 feet down. And this fucking guy dropped us a case of beer, quarter bag of dope, thing of chewing tobacco, thing of rolling cigarettes, cookies, and these letters from his kids. It was like the coolest thing right that, you know, it's just like, who's going to take the time to do that for people on top of a mountain, you know? So that really showed me how cool the people are up here and how nice people are when they're not living next to each other and fighting for the parking spot and, you know, dealing with supermarket bullshit and just everyday living in the city. Yeah. You, know, you can totally tell them there's a difference in people. Oh, that's so fucking cool. Like, how many trips did you get to do up there during your snowboard career? Like, K2 would send you guys up to Alaska every year kind of thing? No, you know, the way that I dealt with K2 is I would give them all my proposals. This is what I'm going to do. This is who I'm filming with. This is where I'm going. This is how much money I'm going to need. So I always presented them with my proposal or my bids for the year, right? I always showed them value in every bid I showed them. And that's kind of how they funded all my trips on top of my salary was, here's who we're going with, here's our photographer, here's where it's going to be seen, blah, 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 blah. And so they were down with that because they had nobody doing that side of it on the free riding side. Like, did someone say, hey, you should do this, or you just figured it out on your own? Just did it on my own, dude, you know, because you got to remember, I didn't have the utmost talent, dude. I wasn't the best guy out there. There was a lot of other guys that were a lot more talented, making a lot more money, so I had to hustle more, and I had to figure out ways to keep my dream alive. Right, I hear what you're saying, but I you know, I think at that Craig, time... Craig Kelly and all sure. those guys, and Alex Warburton and all those guys who were big sponsors, they didn't have to worry about it. Right. Because I knew at any time there was another kid coming up. I remember you as one of the big name guys. Maybe for a year, year or two, I was at the top of my specific game, but nobody lasts forever, bro. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, look at look at all those guys. He farms a badass snowboarder still. He's still a fucking powerful motherfucker. He's 54, 55 years old, you know? Yeah, yeah. Beat up, hands shrunken and arthritis and fucking can barely walk you know i rode with him at baker two years back and he charged it like the whole day on a little 146 i think he was a little more haywire than you he wasn't as smooth whatever reason you two there was some you know direct competition there right no you know i was stoked for farm on that whole deal It it wasn't like that for me i was no better than anybody else that was my whole attitude you want to work as hard as i did and put the time and effort into it yeah you can do what i do but when it came to farming like that no he needed it dude farm was farm was badder than i was he was fucking a crazy motherfucker dude yeah he was you know he, i was i was definitely more more refined in, in my lines and stuff but he would just charge shit and that's what made him that much better than everybody else at that time and he really was on board for himself like he was a self-promoting machine yes he was especially with his music and shit right yeah so you guys remained friends through that whole thing, and like you said, you didn't feel like there was a big competition there between the two of you? No, no, not at all, dude. We remained friends, and I can still pump him up to this day, you know? He's he's genuine. Just like a brother, genuine. just like your brother. You know, you want your brother to do good. You want your brother to succeed as much as you. Yeah. And if he has a little better opportunity than you do, then you've got to push him for it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're probably getting ready to get out the door with your kids there and go camp him. Have a great weekend. I will, Eric. Appreciate the call, brother. Let me know what happens with it all. I will for sure, Nick. Thanks, dude. All right, dude. Take care. F and Rad shoutouts this week to Nick Parada, obviously. I'd also like to thank the Facebook groups that helped to get this podcast out to our fan base. Vintage Snowboard Traders, Dig My Quiver, History of Snowboarding, and Old School Snowboarders. 
Thanks, guys. Support for the podcast comes from the Boardroom Snowboard Shop and Wired Snowboards. The Boardroom Snowboard Shop ships to Canada and the United States and offers a wide variety of the best brands of snowboarding gear. And they're going to give our listeners 10% off. So go to boardroomshop.com, enter the offer code FNRAD at checkout, and get 10% off your purchase. 5% off if the stuff's on sale already. All right, and also go to wiredsnowboards.com. Buy a board because I want 10 of them to sell this year due to me talking about them on the podcast. That way I get a board next year. So support the podcast. Go buy a Wired Snowboard. You won't regret it. The boards are awesome. That's wiredsnowboarding.com. Come back next week for another episode of the Effin' Rad Snowboard Podcast brought to you by BR Productions.